three-course meal today. Um, I'm doing a tiny little aperitif. Uh, Joe is doing the main course. And then uh, I'm going to finish by just going through... I, I asked a few people uh, to maybe sh- to share their experience in devotions and how they pray and whatever. So I've gathered a few of those together just to give us ideas of how we can grow together. Um, last week we talked about um, uh, how Jesus took James and Peter and John up a high mountain and revealed himself to them. And we're on a journey, aren't we? Are we on a journey? We're on a journey. Are we going up or are we going down? We're going up. And Jesus is taking us and he knows the way. And he wants to help us on this journey to pray. As we were just uh, um, uh, worshipping the Lord, I just felt God gave me a picture um, of um, stepping stones across a river. And the thing about it is that it, it takes faith, doesn't it, to cross that river. But God has given us the stepping stones. And it's, it's progression, isn't it? You put your foot on one, um, and then, oh, 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 and there you see the next one, and you go forward, and there's a kind of forward momentum, isn't there? The Bible says that we go from faith to faith from glory to glory but that's often through from trial to trial isn't it where actually we our foot's kind of there and i believe this journey in prayer is us really uh, all the time god's wanting to help us speak to us the promise keepers wanting to give us the next promise and we grow as we go forward never stop in the middle of the river don't think oh last i've got my exams now i can take it easy now uh, no there will be another challenge and we go forward through the challenges but it's only as we're praying and going on with god so i'm going to pray and then going to hand over to joe let's stand shall we dear lord we just want to humble ourselves before you we want to thank you that you're a merciful a kind god that you're a promise keeper You're a miracle worker, and you want to take us by the hand, Lord, and lead us up this high and wonderful mountain, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There are greater things. There are more wonderful things for us to discover in your presence, Lord, in prayer, Father. Thank you for this amazing journey. Thank you, Lord, thus far you've brought us, Lord, and we're grateful, Lord, but we know there's more. So we pray today, Father, as we open our hearts to you, speak to us. Lord, teach us, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Joe. Thanks. Hi to everybody. Nick's asked me just to share one or two things about in what way prayer, this amazing subject we're looking at, is real to me. Um, and uh, the older I get, the more convinced I know less and less about this, um, that I really don't know very much at all. I'm conscious that we're so in the shallows with this, that others have gone ahead of us and are much deeper. Uh, we tell the children that prayer is like a, um, like a ladder set up on earth, reaching up into heaven, um, and that, you know, we're just at the beginning of all of this, really, uh, because this is an extraordinary thing when you think about it, that here upon the earth we speak with God in heaven. So um, I'm just going to share some things that, that are actually very real to me. So if you just put up this first verse, if you said to me what verse is 
the verse that means the most to you about prayer. It just has to be this one. It's very, very short. Um, Don't worry about anything. Um, Instead, pray about everything. So I'm naturally a bit of a worrier. Nick doesn't worry, um, nor does most of the rest of my family, to be honest. So I feel I have to do a double or even triple worrying because they're not worrying. But if you told me not to worry, I find that difficult. But then I like the positive bit, pray about everything, because I think, well, I can do that bit. I could pray even if I can't stop worrying. What I've realized is that when we start to pray, a lot of the worrying stops. I worry a lot less than I used to. That word everything is a big word, and there isn't very much that sits outside it. Literally everything the Bible is telling us, pray about it. Um, We began to learn about some of this when we had a shop. We had a business down in the West End and it used to get burgled fairly regularly and we'd get this terrible call in the night and Nick's face used to go white um, with sort of terror and he'd jump in the car and tear at some ridiculous pace. That was before there was the 20 mile an hour thing. Hurtle down to the West End uh, to see, you know, were the police there? What did they take? And they took computers and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then in the end, we thought we ought to pray about this. Um, and so every night we used to pray, oh God, would you look after the shop tonight? And from that point, we were never burgled again. And so we began to think, well, if he heard this prayer, maybe he could hear some other prayers. Um, and so we began to, to pray for different things around the business. It was very challenging. Um, and then in 2008, when that financial crisis happened, I don't know if people remember that, but the little businesses were at the forefront of that and we were right in the mix with it. And by 2010, we were in, you know, we were in, you know, difficulties in a way. We had enormous financial challenges. And so somebody said to us, someone, some bright spark said, you should go to your landlord and you should ask them for a rent-free period because that was our biggest cost. And so we prayed about it and Nick went with someone else and they went to these landlords who were quite sort of ruthless people and um, said, could we have a rent-free quarter? And they said, no, no, you can't. Um, And we thought, well, we prayed about it and we've tried. And then about two or three weeks later, we got this we'll show you I'll show you a picture of it we got a a a letter in the post because they didn't um they were emailing but they didn't they sometimes send letters in the post this is an actual copy of it and it was from our landlord and I remember where I was when I opened it I was in the basement of our shop and I ripped it open um, and I presumed it was the quarterly rent demand and I noticed it had got a minus on that figure. Do you see 20,000, but it's got a minus. And I thought, this isn't a rent demand. This is a credit note. Um, and then if you see up there, it says rent free period. They'd given us a whole six months rent free. So for six months, we didn't have to pay any rent. And that was worth 20,000. God had done that. And incredibly, he kept the show on the road and kept us going. And that encouraged us to keep asking him for things. One of the things we learned about was we needed to pray about decisions. So we would pray about stuff. You know, if we need to get new equipment or we needed something new, we would say, oh God, could you guide us? We weren't sort of super spiritual, you know, could, you know, could you, we, could you show us what machine to get? And then we'd hear a voice from heaven. It wasn't like that. We were just coming to him and saying, Lord, could you, could you help us with this decision as we decide what fridge we're getting or what piece of machinery in the, in the shop? 
And so we, we really began to pray about those things. And there's a wonderful verse that I read at that time from Psalm 106. And it says, um, they didn't wait for his counsel. We're in touch with this God who has all wisdom, all knowledge, all might or power. Why would we not ask him about stuff? Why would we make decisions without him? Why, why wouldn't we just say, oh God, there's this decision I've got to make. Could you help us? We've really learned to do this. We do this about people coming to do stuff in our house. House. We do it in every front. Uh, we're asking him, Lord, lead us, show us, because we don't know. He, he was angry with Israel because they didn't ask for his counsel. I think that's an amazing verse. Things like holidays. We've learned to pray for our holidays. Since we've done that, things haven't gone wrong on our holidays. Things have gone right on our holidays. We've asked him, Lord, we're going on holiday. Could you, could you come and be in this? Could you be Emmanuel? He wants to be a part of all of this. We've learned to pray for sort of big things and small things. Um, let me just quickly tell you the story. Our son James lives out in Lisbon and he left these precious shoes that he had behind. Mom, can you send out the shoes? Okay. But we've learned that the poor Portuguese post is just not good in Lisbon. Things just don't get there. They've gone to Germany in places sometimes. So, so we prayed over this shoe box and we wrapped it up and we sent it out there. A week later, no, no shoes. Two weeks later, no shoes. And I thought, we really prayed about this. And now, to some degree, I expect him to answer. And then week three, he calls us, okay, mum, something really weird has happened. I went out of my flat and when I came back, the shoes had come and they were in my flat on my desk. He said, this is really weird. And I thought, this is really weird. And, and then about an hour later, he rang and he said, it's okay, it's okay. I've worked it out. I left the, the window closed, but it was open. And I think the postman pulled the window open and reached in and put the shoes on my table. Would that have happened if we didn't pray? I don't, I don't know. Might not have done, but it was such a wonderful, simple little answer to prayer. Pray for your children. We pray for our children. We have one who is near and one who is far. Um, I told them this morning how I began to pray for Amy when she was 13. I decided I'm going to pray when she grows up. She has a wonderful husband. So I began to pray. And for seven years, I prayed almost every day. You'll think I'm crazy. Almost every day, Lord, could you give Amy a wonderful husband? Um, and he looked down and he saw this boy in Coventry called Drew, who didn't even yet know him. And he led them together, and he has been the most amazing husband to Amy. And I was telling Amy, and I said, can I tell that story? And she said, yeah, sure. She said, just letting you know that I'm already praying for Jem and Abby. Okay, so Jem, Jem is six, and Abby is eight. Amy, and Amy said, I thought I'd sort of get ahead of things, Mum. So she's praying for them, that God would give them wonderful husbands. But I, I see with parents how they will do extraordinary things and go to incredible lengths and make amazing sacrifices but not pray for their children. Why would we do this? And we, we didn't nearly enough, and we do it much more now. Um, we, we pray for the children. I think as well, so need to remember that 
you know, when they stand, our children, in front of God, he's not going to ask them for their GCSE results. He's going to ask them, did you live for Jesus? And, and we should pray first. And we've been very challenged ourselves to pray first for our children, for their spiritual state, and second for everything else. But wow, he wants to bless them and to help them. Um, I've, this, this prayer about everything, for me, it's like my working day. I, I go through it in the morning. I pray, God, would you help me with my emails? Could you help me to remember stuff? Could you help with this meeting? Could you help with that bit of writing? This is the pray about everything. My work days since I've done that have been very different from how my work days were before. So much so that I don't like to go into the day if I haven't at least asked him about that stuff. This is a wonderful verse I've been looking at for about a week now, maybe two weeks, um, from Jeremiah 29. Um, and it says this, work for the good of the cities where I have made you go as prisoners, this is when they were in captivity, pray to me on their behalf, because if they are prosperous, you will be prosperous too. Now, I'm, I'm in this NHS job that's um, to do with finance, and it's been, I felt like a bit of a prisoner, because it's been so difficult, because the money side of the NHS is so tight, and it's so challenging. Um, and so I felt like a bit of a prisoner. And suddenly this verse was there, and it says, pray. So I've really started to pray in the last week that God would prosper the parts of the NHS that I'm involved with, prosper and bless these GP practices in North London and in Islington, um, that he would do that, because in their prosperity will come my prosperity. Um, and I thought we should do this for our companies and the different things we work for, our schools where the teachers are, that God would bless these schools and bless these places where we are. Um, I try and do the same for Flame when we come in to do the kids' work, to pray through it all in the in 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 the morning before we come, you know, to pray, you know, Lord, would you work out which child wins the prize today? Could you want them make them want to pray today? I sort of go through all the stuff almost as if if I was praying for the work stuff, because he doesn't seem to mind us asking. He just doesn't seem to mind. When did Jesus ever say to someone, you shouldn't be asking me? He never said that. He wanted them to come. In fact, he said amazing things to the ones that wouldn't stop asking. And the thing is that that the Bible shows us to be children of God. And children are these big askers. They're just asking all the time. And we had a son who was one of the biggest askers in the world. I mean, he just asked all the time. So much so that we never took him as a child to a toy shop because we felt his asking would become so overwhelming that we'd all be overwhelmed and we'd have all have some kind of breakdown in the shop. So he never went to a toy shop. He's never said to us, why didn't you take me to the toy shop? Fortunately, he sort of hasn't clocked this. But he was such an asker. And yet, you know, God is wanting us to ask and ask and ask. Um, and it says in this wonderful verse in Matthew, I think, um, amazing that Jesus himself said these words. And look at that first little bit. It's very honest, isn't it? As bad as you are, he says to us, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more then will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And our son used to say, I need to have my friend back. I need to go to McDonald's. And we used to say, no, 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 you're not saying that correctly. No, you want to go to McDonald's. You want to have your friend. No, no, I need to have my friend. And, and that's how God wants us to be. This is, this is an amazing thing. And he doesn't seem to mind. And, and he, he wants this, I think, because 
Why do children ask? They ask because they can't do the things themselves. They can't. They ask you, can we go swimming today? Because they can't just go off to the swimming pool. And it's the same for us. There's so much stuff that we can't do that God can do. So that's the first thing. Pray about everything. The second thing is this that's very, very real to me, pray in the crisis, possibly because I've been through a few crises. So this thing, pray in the middle of the crisis. So when the washing machine floods the floor, pray, just immediately pray. When you get the terrible phone call about something, just pray. This is difficult. This is difficult because everything in you doesn't want to pray at that point. You kind of think, well, God, you've let all this happen. I'll, I'll deal with this. Okay. But it's, but we need to pray at that point and cry. We've learned to do this, um, to call out to him. So a few years back, we had these two situations, one of which I've just said about this very challenging financial business situation. We also had a very challenging family situation. We tried everything to sort these two problems out. I'm the kind of person that thinks, right, there's a problem. Let's work out how we solve it. Let's solve it. We couldn't solve either problem. So in the end, I thought, I'm going to pray about this. It's terrible that that was the last thing I did, but it was. And so I decided I'm going to take 15 minutes every day and I'm going to pray first of all for this problem, then for that problem. And so I started to walk up and down in our kitchen and I would time it. Um, and I would sometimes I'd do five minutes and then later on I'd do 10 minutes. Um, and I really cried out to him uh, that he would help us. Um, and at that time, this verse became very real to me. It's got the wrong reference. It's actually from Hebrews. Oh, it's got the right reference now. Brilliant. Okay. I think you had the wrong reference earlier. Um, and it says this, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. If you flip it round, you could say in the day of trial, don't harden your heart. Now, this became so real to me. As we faced trial after trial, I slowly, and gosh, it's taken me a long time, and I've got a long way to go with this, I learned not to harden my heart, not to turn away when it's awful and difficult and terrible things have happened, but to turn towards him. Um, and this became so, so real to me. Um, and I noticed as I prayed this two lots of 15 minutes that something else was happening in my heart. I began to experience and feel and know Jesus in a way I had never done before. I wasn't praising him. I wasn't worshiping him. I was just asking. And somehow in the asking, he came to my heart. So much so that it made me want to ask more, not just to get the answers, but because of what I felt when I asked. And this was a, this was a wonderful thing. There is a fantastic story told, true story, about a man called George Matheson. We've got a picture of him. I think he looks really nice. I think he's got this really kind face there. Now, George Matheson um, was Scottish. He was born in 1842. He was from a, a fervent Christian family, became a burning Christian as a teenager. He was brilliant academically. He was on track to get a first at the university in Glasgow, and he also was engaged to be married. He was 20 years old when something happened in his life that changed everything, and that was that he rapidly began to go blind, and he lost his sight. And his fiancée said to him, this isn't this isn't what I signed up for, except she wouldn't have said that because Victorians didn't say things like that. But she said, I'm not, I don't want to marry. I, I can't marry you as a blind person. I can't look after you. 
Um, and so can you imagine this guy who'd had everything? Suddenly he's really challenged. How do you study if you're blind? Um, and he was brilliant. And he had a sister who said he had younger brothers and sisters. And his sister said, look, I'm going to be your eyes for you. I will come and live with you. I will look after you. I'm going to help you with everything. And she came and she worked with him and he became a minister um, in Scotland in a church, I think to the east of Edinburgh. Um, and he thrived there in that place, deeply spiritual guy, devoted to God. And then age 40, he hits another crisis because his sister gets married. And that night he went back, as a beautiful account written of it, he went back to the manse where he lived alone um, because she had gone and he had a complete sort of crisis crying out to God and saying, I, you know, I can't do this. It was hard enough before, now I've lost her. And that day he wrote these words, some of you may recognize them. He said, oh love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in its ocean depths it might fuller, richer be. He had this choice. Was he going to turn away and say, well, God, this is just too difficult? Or was he going to turn towards him? And he writes another line in that. And I love this line. It says, O cross that lifteth up my head, I dare not fly from thee. And he was sort of saying, you know, part of me wants to just leave and say, God, this is too difficult. Um, but he's saying, I daren't go. There's nowhere else to go, Jesus. So I'm going to cling on to you. Um, he did cling on. God gave him other people who came as his helpers and moved in to look help, help him with what he was doing. He went on to become a famous minister in, up in Edinburgh. He went on to write both hymns and books. He became a fellow of the Royal Society of Edinburgh, which is a big deal. He was a very clever guy. Um, he famously preached at Balmoral uh, to Queen Victoria, who was so taken with his message that she asked for it to be published afterwards. And it was because he turned towards him. In the day of trial, he didn't harden his heart. Jonah shouted, didn't he, and cried out from deep inside the whale. Daniel prayed to God right from the lion's den. Moses, as he stood in front of the Red Sea, he said he cried out to God. Jesus, in the crisis, didn't harden his heart but he turned towards God, um, who was about to forsake him in one sense on the cross, and he was praying. Peter, as he sank in the water, prayed this brilliant little three-word prayer, and he said, uh, save me, Lord. Some of the translations say, Lord, save me. Nick would call this an arrow prayer. This is the prayer to pray, you know, when the kitchen is flooded or the car breaks down or something goes wrong. Lord, save me. I'm coming to you. So that's praying in the crisis. We've done pray about everything, praying in the crisis. I don't know if you'll remember these. These I might test you at the end. If, you were in, if, you were, if this was flame, we would ask you at the end, do you remember this? Last one, praying in the night. Um, we used to pray at Chalk Farm Baptist Church, New Life and Chalk Farm Baptist Church I prayed together. We had some amazing times there in this little room called the upper room. And one night, Sandra, who I think is here. Yes, she is. She's at Sandra at the back. Prayed. I don't know if she remembers this, but she prayed, Lord, when we wake in the night, could you help us to pray? And it struck me, just absolutely struck me. 
I've never thought about this. If I wake in the night, I spend my time trying to get back to sleep. But she's praying, Lord, if we wake in the night, could you help us to pray? So I thought, fine, I'm going to try and do this because mostly I sleep really well. But every now and then I wake at like 3.15, 3.30 and it's kind of sleep. What sleep? It's gone. Um, and so I thought I'm going to start to pray. And I began to do this and it's been absolutely fantastic for me. There's an amazing verse about this in Lamentations 2, verse 19. Yeah, look at this. Look at this. All through the night. I wouldn't suggest this every night or anything, okay? This was a particular situation they were in. All through the night, get up and pray again and again. Cry out to the Lord. Pour out your heart and beg him for mercy. Then the other one is the other translation, New Living. Rise up during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer. So at that point, God was telling them, they were in captivity at this point. He was saying, rise up and pray. If you're awake in the night, try praying. So if you do wake in the night, try praying. So this week, we just had a massive, crazy week at work. And at 3.15 on Wednesday, I woke up. Uh, I knew I'd got a huge day ahead of me. And and I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try and pray. I don't pray brilliantly, um, and, and I, but I was just praying. Because actually, if you're awake in the night and you're trying not to wake up other people, I mean, what else is there to do? You, what, this is the best thing you could do. What are you going to do otherwise? Just trying about to see people scroll through your thing. Um, Nick says he prays in the night and then he falls back to sleep. And that's good as well. Um, but what I'm saying is use that time. Um, and then amazingly, so on that Wednesday, oh, he gave me such strength. He was so with me. I went from meeting to meeting. He was so Emmanuel to me on that day. And he gave me physical strength. And I, this is the verse that I sometimes think about in the night if I wake. It's the one from Isaiah 40. Yeah, that if we'll do this, this is a great promise. He will renew our strength. So if we bother to pray in the night when we're awake, he would renew our strength. We would rise up with wings like eagles. We would run, look at this, and not be weary. We would walk and not faint. So this is a great thing to remember if we pray in the night. Do I always pray in the night? Do we always pray in the crisis? No. Um, but but there's something about this praying thing that is amazingly wonderful. I am convinced that we are just in the shallows of this, that there's great depths of this prayer thing yet to come um, that God wants to draw us into. I feel I know so little, um, but we should pray that that he would help us. So let me see, what was the first one, the first one I said? Anybody remember? Everything. Very good from the front row. So a double act here. Um, what was the second one? I'm trying to think myself. What was the second one? Crisis. And the third one? Oh, this is you're better than flame. To be honest, you're better than flame. Um, just, just to say, as we come to him, um, there is only one way to come to him, and that is through Jesus. Um, so I pray as I come Father, I come because of Jesus, who is my great high priest, who is the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens, who has washed me in his blood, who has forgiven my sins. So I dare to come boldly to receive from you, Lord, mercy and grace to help me in my time of need.
Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll keep these things in our hearts as I just whiz through some ideas that people in the church have shared about how they pray, how they read their Bibles, Lord. Um, Keep these things in our hearts, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. It has taken, I mean, we were in business for 28 years, and it's it's just good to know there is a journey of prayer. And as Joe pointed out, it started with with several crises that kind of brought us to our knees, and then we learned to ask and take his counsel. It is a journey. So that's encouraging, isn't it? God wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. So just going to finish really with the the, the kind of when, where, and how um, of prayer. And this is going to come. This is what others in the church have, have shared. First of all, uh, from a teenager uh, who uh, I won't mention their name except um, it was a she. Um, uh, and uh, she said that um, she, in reading her Bible, setting a specific time of the day, dedicated to reading the Bible, usually in a quiet place. And now you've got to get back to your post, Peter. <laughs> Setting a specific time of the day, dedicated to reading the Bible, usually in a quiet place. Praying for clarity and understanding before reading the Bible. So this thing really of having a time and a place. Just flicking back a couple of, uh, of slides to Jesus, uh, Mark one thirty-five. it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So Jesus, he had habits of prayer. It's not a bad thing to have a habit. It's good to be able to break our habits, and Jesus did that. But in the morning, he went up and he would find a solitary place. And then Luke 6 says this, now at that time, Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. So one of those solitary places was a mountain. He spent the whole night in prayer to God, so he prayed at night as well. And when day came, he called his disciples and selected 12 of them. So he had a big meeting coming up the next day, didn't he? So he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And going back to our teenager, uh, she said, what helps me to pray is, v- is viewing it as a conversation with God. No rules, no expectations, no boundaries. Just a conversation. And for me, that helps me to pray because I'm not putting any pressure on myself. I'm just speaking to him. I really believe in that, that God wants to speak back to us um, uh, it rarely is it the case that we're talking he talks back to us we're talking but actually just as we're speaking and talking to God about the things on our mind on our hearts our fears our worries our doubts um, that he will speak back to us through his word by his spirit in different ways just speaking to him I love the simplicity of that and this is now an adult even though I'm an evening person hands up if you're an evening person Hey, there's less evening people than that than in the first meeting. You, are you a morning person? Or are you just not a person at all? <laughs> Even though I'm an evening person, I try and be disciplined in pausing at the start of the day. Somebody once said, uh, why um, uh, tune the violin when the concert's over? 
You know, it's good to tune our hearts at the beginning of the day, even if it's just for a little time. Early mornings are best for me, before the rush of work and family kicks into life. Some of us know that, don't we? The, you know, the rush of the work and the family piles in. Just try and get a little time with Jesus before then, even if it's under the bedclothes and crying out a few cries for mercy. This person said, I find it much more stimulating reading the Bible with others. I put reading the Bible with others just for emphasis there. Actually, that was a mistake. Um, that actually, yeah, it's good if we can to read the Bible with others. But when we do read the Bible ourselves, this person says they try to read a specific book at a time rather than hopping around. And I read it in different translations. How many people do that? They read a chapter at a time, a section at a time, and they look in different translations. You can easily do that through the Bible app, can't you? Um, and... I tend to read the Bible first thing in the morning and then pray for issues as the day goes on. One of the problems about not praying in the morning is then we don't pray for the rest of the day because our, our heart is so flat. But actually when we just spend a bit of time with God or have a real time with him, then during the day it's much easier. So again, worth getting that time in the morning. I try to constantly pray wherever I am. I do too, but I often forget. But it's good to remember when the, the, the 50 emails are in front of us, you know, when the challenging kids are in front of us, to just be praying all the time. And we learn to get better at it. Several people said, I've got a devotional book that I'm working through. Every day there's a devotional and a scripture to read. Also, if there's something specific happening in my life, sometimes I'll Google Bible verses that relate to that situation and read them. Google is dangerous, isn't it? Because it can be such a distraction, but actually it's a blessing as well. There, there are many Bible tools there. You can click on a verse, you can click on the word, you can get real meat out of some of these apps and Bible applications. But Beware that Google doesn't take you down a big distracting um, uh, journey. ATM, somebody said, I'm thinking, are, you, are we at the cash point here? But I realized she was saying at the moment. ATM, I use Lectio app. Anybody here use Lectio? Several people, it's a really good app as a way of starting the day. I also try and read a longer passage of scripture. So they use the Bible app because they, 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 they need a bit more they'll read a longer passage as well. You see, it's different for all of us, isn't it? The main thing is that we do it. We pray and we read our Bible. Somebody said to George Muller, I think it was, uh, uh, how do you learn to pray? And he just said, pray. <laughs> we learn to pray by praying and we get better at it. How many people read the Bible in one year? Or have read the Bible in one year? Yeah, um, it's a great thing with Nikki and Pippa Gumble, and the person who wrote that, that said, which is amazing. So recommend that as well. Occasionally, this person said, I will go out on the heath to pray while walking. How many people prayer walk? I don't mean by going out with other people and prayer walking, but they just pray as they walk. Yeah. Several people. It's really good, isn't it? Because we're so tired, aren't we, sometimes? And sometimes just getting up and walking, it distracts our mind and we can pray, and it's really good. And this person said, some of my best times, they're a bit like Joe, this person, aren't they? Some of my best times could be at 2 a.m., we try to make time to pray together every morning. This is somebody who's married, um, and even if it's just for five minutes, we, Joe and I would really recommend that. 
pray with the person you're married to. And we rarely pray for longer than five minutes. Often it's, we have a, you know, five minutes, just pray for the kids, pray for the day, and off we go. And at night, you know, protect us all, da 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 da, and we go to sleep. It's worth it. Little bursts of prayer. It doesn't have to be a time of, a long time of intercession. Just regularity. And then somebody said, I can't find my prayer list. So I'm doing another one. Prayer lists are great, aren't they? I feel personally God's uh, wanting to teach me how to intercede. The journey he's taken on us, interestingly enough, if you go through the Lord's Prayer, it says, says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we start with praise. Then your kingdom come, your will be done. That's kind of praying outwards. That's what we call intercession. Then give us our this day our daily bread. That's asking for stuff like our kids, isn't it? Forgive us our sins. Deliver us from evil. We've talked about that this morning, but I think we've done it in the wrong order. God taught us to pray by getting us to ask. And then now he's teaching us the next bit, which is to be better at praying for things. Jo's, I know she's been encouraging uh, all the youth leaders to pray for the kids in their group. Um, if you're in a small group, pray for the people in that small group. If you've got a family, pray for the people in the family. Pray for the people God has associated you with. Pray for the people you're called to. Start small and make it work. And if you give up, then just find, you can't find your prayer list, start another one. And then another person said, just bullet points of things and people that come into my head that morning, which I then pray over. So this person's making a journal or a diary, and they're just writing down the things that come into their head. I'm doing that too, actually. Just when I feel God's speaking to me through a verse, I just make a note of it. I find I'm going back to it. It helps me with my journey of walking with God. And then I also try and read a longer passage of scripture. I do find, this person says, that reading scriptures helps me as a foundation for prayer. Otherwise, I find my mind wanders easily to other things. And this is Bible meditation, isn't it? Using the Bible as a tool to pray. Just a little advert here. At the end of last Sunday, I said, if anybody wanted wants to learn about uh, how to meditate on the Bible and pray, which for me has been the absolute secret to getting into God's presence is using his word. Come to me afterwards and I'll I'll, uh, help you. So two people did. So we're going to start a little WhatsApp group, a little devotional community just for a few weeks where we can just look at things that we can meditate on and learn to meditate on the Bible and pray together. And if anybody else wants to do that, talk to me afterwards i'll add you to the group and and it'll maybe we can just help this devotional journey spark into life a bit and then this person said i can have a time of prayer first thing but then i also find myself praying through throughout the day that's exactly what i'm saying charge the engine then it'll keep on going meditating normally on a psalm a verse seems manageable when you don't have much time and praying. And I would just suggest that you just read your Bible and when then something speaks to you, stay on that scripture. Let it be meat and drink to you. You don't have to read loads every day. Just one um, final thought before I, I test you on Joe's thing. Um, this is a, a, a verse that's meant a lot to us in this journey. Um, and Zephaniah 3 verse 12. And I really feel that this is where God wants us as a church. I will leave there a humble and lowly people who will come to me for help. 
And that's a church at prayer, isn't it? That we are humble enough to come to him with our needs and that he really wants to help us is an amazing thing. So I just want to come back to uh, Joe's thing. I've got three prepositions here. Um, pray, I oh know it's not up here, you have to listen to me. Pray about, pray in, pray at. Very good. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you again, Lord, and we just want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you above all, Lord, that your word says the Lord is my helper. Lord, thank you. You didn't want us to help ourselves. People think that's a verse in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves, but it's not in there, Lord. God helps those who ask him. And Lord, we're asking you today, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Would you give us a spirit of prayer, Lord? Would you uh, infuse our hearts with something fresh, Lord, something new, a desire, an appetite, a determination, Lord? Thank you. You've helped us in the past, Lord. We've all failed in different ways, Lord. But thank you. You just pick us up, dust us down, wash us in your precious blood. And give us new hope every time, Lord. So we just say, Lord, would you help us as individuals, help us as a church in this journey of prayer. Amen. Just got a couple of minutes. Before-